So I'm here. Where's Kim? There you are. He said that as soon as I turned mine on, you would turn yours on. Hello. But this there? is confusing. You have to be on the other side. So I, have I can't to... hear you. There you go. Can you hear me? Yes. No. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can't hear you. And I have a different system. See, this is what happens when you don't have a Kevin. There's, you There's, don't have a Kevin. Just make sure you're I'm going to turn this up here. Okay, say something. I have this testing one, two, three. No. Okay, let me change my mic really quick because maybe that's it. Stand by for one second. Of course, this happens on our 50th podcast. No, it's 50. Yeah. Next, next is 50. Okay, hang on. The next one's 50. This is 49. But on my end, it looks like the sound, your sound is coming through. Yeah. Everybody knows. Oh, it's my arm. Oh, okay. Can somebody in the chat confirm that you can hear Carol? Hello. Somebody out there? I can't hear you. Hear Darn me? it. Okay, one second. Sorry. I left my headphones. Which headphones? Do you want mine? Okay. No, they're, is that they're, better? Still can't hear and you. Can hear oh, and people can hear both of us. Well, that's good. <laughs> can you hear me? It doesn't work if I can't hear. No. There. Yep. Both being heard. Both, both. Okay. Everybody else can hear us. Can you hear okay. me? Now I can hear you. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Good. Hi. Okay. 50 episodes. Well, that's next week. That's next week. This is 49. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding i know but all of that is that's all good that's but getting close to 50 is quite the accomplishment Wait. No, she's right this is the 50th no kevin says you're right you get to be right that's i'm confused this is 50 this is 50 that's just not even possible when did we no. start this yeah this it was you and i chatting during quarantine and talking about slides yeah and geeking out. Yeah. And some things haven't changed because we still get to do that. Yeah, exactly. And then we have people making really great questions and comments. Yep. This week has been full of the most insane patience in a good way. Yeah. Insanely clever questions coming yeah. in. Yeah. And one of the best patient histories I've ever received because this patient listens to our podcast. No. So she had a linear history. He had a linear history from birth almost. It was the most comprehensive, thought out patient history I've ever had. Thanks That's to the pod. Thanks to the podcast because this person listens to the podcast and now is taking the course because he wants to learn more about it. And that's just Ooh. but there's a puppy. Hi, but but mom's in there. We'll come see you. We might need to do like a show and tell day. Okay, where we okay. bring the pets. <laughs> Our pet day. My cats spend their day asleep inside, and the puppy is just getting used to having like my sister left yesterday and took her dog and so after Adam died Betty would take the dogs for a walk and so Betty became her person and now Betty is gone 
for 10 days before we leave for England. And now I'm back to being her person. So the dog is confused. Like, who is my person? And who exactly am I supposed to protect? You have inspired me because I'm finding a residential live-in dog training place that she gets to go to for a month. And because she's really, I thought she was almost two and she's just a year. She's October 23rd of 21. Oh, she's a baby. She's just a baby. She just happens to be a 75 pound baby. baby. Yes. You met my baby and yeah. she's a lot of work and she's high drama. But she's and- cute but she's cute and she loves loved you almost instantly. The gray dog, the silver dog is just like... Can I tell the story really quick? Yeah, sure. So I have a eight, almost nine-year-old silver lab and a almost two-year-old German shepherd. And there you couldn't have more yin and yang animals. Like <laughs> the lab is calm worst guard dog on the planet everybody's welcome but he's not affectionate he has a very big personal space bubble doesn't really doesn't really like to be petted by really anybody just wants food throw his ball but give him some space and then the shepherd doesn't like anybody true to being a german shepherd she loves her core people everybody else that comes in the house she just looks at who are you what are your intentions yes so you walk in and every, all the excitement, all the energy, the shepherd settles down after maybe a minute. And so, yeah, you're here, you're fine. But the lab did something he has never done to not, to, to nobody, not even us. And you were sitting at the table and he came up and just put his head like, just, just on your chest and on your, and just looked at you on, my lap. And, on your, and just wanted you to touch him and he's never done that I did that's just amazing because we had a Vimer on her when I was a kid and the reason part of the memories that come up when I look at your silver lab are like it's a Vimer on her with fuzzy fur but like a Labrador yeah and so they were just every time the lab walked by I would just her fur is so soft because like you said, she still has her puppy fur. under. Well, he her- has a genetic problem. So his hair never grew in. Yeah. And so he feels like a bunny. He feels like a soft bunny. Yes. Every time he'd walk by, I just would pet him. And then I, when he came up and put his, just put his head in my lap and just, I just scratched his ears and petted his back and we just sat there and communed for quite a while. It was lovely. Dogs know good people. I've always been a critter person. <laughs> How is your shoulder? It is fine in the daytime. I have to, in in the car, I do my exercises. Okay. This biceps tendon is still has an opinion, especially when I'm at work, because you reach forward and you're focused on touching the patient and not unstabilizing the serratus in the lower trap. And so the time I pay for that is at night when I lay down. So other than that, it's there's 
pain levels of two and I get to do all these things that I'm supposed to do and it's wonderful. It was good. Me being the perfectionist that I am, I, that bicipit, bicipital tendon Nikki that you have. <laughs> I know, stop that. And the coolest patient ever on Friday. Wow. It was really fun because this man walks in and says, my pain is 11 out of 10. And for those of you that are practitioners that are listening, when somebody says, my pain is 11 out of 10, but he's standing up and he's looking at you and he's sitting in the chair and he's talking to you, you know that he's not an 11 or even a 10, because by the time you get to a 10, you really can't do anything except deal with the pain. You're curled up in the corner, moaning and rocking. So what that tells you is they are centrally and spinally sensitized. They're not crazy. So in most medical pain practices, somebody that would walk in and say, I'm 11 out of 10 and I've been like this for 20 years, it's a psych case. And for us, it is, okay, that's easy. It's not, you're not really, and I told him, you're not really an 11. I believe you because sometimes they hyperbolize just so people would believe them. And I believe you and you're not really an 11 because otherwise you'd be sitting there rocking and moaning. So you're probably an eight or a nine. And he rolled his eyes and went, okay, fine. I could be a nine. Good. And he said, and my muscles are so stiff that I can't walk. But I, what is the word he used? It's like I compensate for it in my head. I, oh, he had a word that started with R, but he compensates for it in his head. It's, okay. So what I could say to him is, you've already done all the hard work. You've learned to manage the pain in your head and keep yourself functional. Two and a half years ago, he had an auto accident and okay, because he was centrally sensitized, anybody that says they're an 11 out of 10, in our world, they're 40 and 89. Central sensitization means quieting down the thalamus, quieting down the hippocampus, and for heaven's sakes, put a muzzle on the amygdala. That's 40 and 89, quieting the midbrain. So that's central sensitization. Then anybody that's had that kind of pain for that long, 20 years, is spinal cord sensitized, and that's 40 and 10. And he said, and I totally can't lay down flat. I said, that's okay. I have a leather rocking chair right here. You just sit in the rocker recliner and you recline. And then the muscle tone, when you felt his arms and his legs, they were tone is the amount of tension in a muscle at rest. So even bodybuilders who have quite good bulk, when you squeeze their arm at rest, there's some give to it. That's not tone. Increased tone is the muscle is tight, even when it's not contracted in our world. That's easy. That's 81 and 10. All right. 
And then he's been in pain for 20 years. So you know that his vagus nerve is inhibited and concussion would be a good thing to run. So I had three machines, two, three neck to feet, quiet down the midbrain, 40 and 89, quiet down the spinal cord, 40 and 10, increased secretions in the spinal cord. And I know those two are opposite and it's not my fault. It just works. And then from his neck, that's all neck to feet, those three. And then I ran concussion in Vegas from his neck to his chest. And at the end of 30 minutes, he was down to what he said was a seven. And I said, yes, but how are your legs? I can't feel them. Oh, that's good. That's better than pain. We'll fix that later. So at the end of 60 minutes, he said, my pain's a two. Can I just sit here? I don't want to move. And it's, oh, sure. I have another patient to see, but I went into the other room with the other patient. And I set it all up and read it for another 60, 75 minutes. And at the end of that, in the middle of it, I came in and he was sound asleep. And then at the end of it, I came in and I said, so are you awake? Yes. What's your pain level? Zero. I don't know what it's like to be a zero. Yes. So then you have the conversation. It's, I don't know if it's going to last. If it worked this time, there will never be a time when it doesn't work. And it's okay if you don't believe me. And then I had him stand up, put a towel on the floor, had him stand up and ran increased secretions in the sensory motor cortex, because literally his entire body sensation stopped in his thalamus. It's okay. And then after that, once he said, I feel like myself, I said, oh, good. Then now we get to see if your body can remember how to move now that the muscles are normal tone. You run increased secretions in the cerebellum. And I had him rock from side to side and back to front and stand on his toes and stand on his heels and do this and that. And then had him, <laughs> had him sit down again Oh, I asked him to bend forward and he couldn't bend forward from the waist. And I went, oh, that's okay. We can fix that. So I had him sit down again and I just ran scarring the spinal cord and had him lean forward and then scarring in the dura and had him lean forward. And he was, it was afraid to, and I said, no, just go until it's tight. And it was tight in his thoracics and he sat up and it was tight in his lumbars. And then he sat up and then had him rotate and it was tight in his tailbone. It's that's okay. Now I want you to lean forward and touch your toes. I haven't been able to touch my toes in 20 years. And it's, I know, but just give it a try. So he creeped his hands down his legs and he touched his toes. And it's like, it. the look on his face was just, I, just, it's the most fun you could possibly. Yep. And then he came back yesterday and the body pain never came back. And then he was a normal 
63-year-old male who had an auto accident two and a half years ago who's never had proper treatment. Mm. So he has nerve pain. He said nobody's ever done a physical exam with a little pinwheel. And I went, yeah, it's because they can't treat nerve pain, so why would they do that? And his range of motion went from 30 degrees of extension to 45. And then flexion went from 40 degrees to 60 degrees. And he could still reach down and almost touch his toes. His lumbar facets are a disaster, but I gave him exercises and he's coming back on Thursday. And it's all. Oh, that's why I love coming to work. It's let's, not. Let's unpack a lot. There's a lot in your very simple patient story that. It's, it's not that hard. I didn't even have to touch him until yesterday. And I'm not sure. I think you had posted something on Facebook about the history and say, oh, yeah, it really be that easy. And it was like, I'm not sure if this is the patient, but. Yeah. Same guy. But you understand how still very complex what you're treating would be if you didn't have FS. It's impossible. There's no medication. There's no physical therapy. There's no, there is no thing. There is no thing that will treat this guy. You do without FSM. And for us, I'm hoping that the 31 people that are listening now and the bunch of people that are going to see this on YouTube, by the time you finish the core, it's, this, if I'm teaching it, it should be easy, right? It's like it's 40 and 10, 40 and 89, 81 and 10 to take down the core and tone. And you just have to run them all at one time, which means you have to have three custom cares and a precision care and then concussion in Vegas. But then go ahead and tell me how complicated it is because I don't get it. Well, <laughs> now you're just showing off, but... That's what I told him. I right. had him bend forward and touch his toes. He said, and I, then I said, yeah, now I'm just showing off. So let's talk about that for a second. Let the movement part, because I got caught this week doing something that I didn't realize as a practitioner I was doing until the patient did this when I did something. And it was a old motor vehicle accident that I have been seeing for months, got him quite a bit better instantly, but it's like losing those last five pounds, right? Like you get somebody who is a high functioning six or seven, but is now unable to work, like works from home because of pain, all these things. So you get the pain down to a functional two or three, but there's a lot more work that has to be done. We have to get the body moving. We have to get those results to stick. Instead of three days, we want to see a week. There's all these more work that has to be done. And they're afraid to move. So this is where, so I was introducing some new exercises and I got halfway into a mobility stretch or a, a flow type of movement because I don't use the word stretch that much anymore, but there's a dynamic lengthening exercise that I was showing. And the patient was looking at me and I said, what's the problem? And she said, I will never be able to do that. And I said, oh, you've already done this. And so you're making it look really complicated though and hard. 
And I think I must've been thinking about my, to make sure that I was doing this exercise properly. So I said, oh, let me try it a different way. So I changed the angle of which I was standing, went to a different kind of corner of the treatment room and I smiled and I looked at her while I did that. And she's, oh yes, I think I can do that one. Oh, that's amazing. I thought, wow, that is really interesting. So before I would attempt for her to do that, what do you think she needed in that moment? 4089. She was like. 1489 and honestly, 13 and 396. So, in the nerve. Yeah, because the this concept of active mobilization, people that deal with muscles and fascia forget that the fascia is enervated. And when somebody has been chronically injured, there is a nerve stuck someplace to something. And the cerebellum, as we know, does not notify it doesn't tell you why you're stiff. It doesn't tell you why it's not going to do that. It just doesn't do that. It refuses. And it doesn't negotiate. You can do anything you want. And the cerebellum is going to say, uh-huh, no, just no. Not, mm -mm. So with this gentleman, when I treated him the second time, his lumbar facets are just a disaster. So brought his knees to his up and I ran scarring in the nerve and had him rock his knees side to side and just relieve the scarring at the facet joints for the medial branch and ran 40 and 89 quiet down, afraid to move, and scarring in the nerve. And smiling is a great idea. You have a lot of wisdom in this area with your background. And I remember in the instructor's course way back when, and you were talking about like certain words to avoid, especially when a patient is prone on your table, because they are very much in a hypnotic state and to not use words like pain and all the things. So I was thinking, you talk about the little bird, you're continuously infused and embedded on my shoulder. So just so you know, but I was thinking about some of the things that I'm doing now with superhero pose and confidence with the movement. I'm seeing it a lot with my daughter who's rehabbing from ACL, getting her in really low and uncomfortable positions to reinforce that I can do this. So when you get a patient, I'm going to go back to this example that you said she could have used 13 and 396. Here's my question. If a patient can, if we can do that range of motion passively without pain, she should be able to do it actively without pain. You would think so, right? Yes. So that's why I didn't go to 396, 13 and 396, sure. because we had, I had passively cranked her hip <laughs> up to her ear. There was no restriction, but actively the thought of doing that was terrifying. So that's why I went to 40 and 89. 40 and 89 is the perfect thing. It is a, that, and the description we use in the core now, thanks to you, 
is afraid to move it. It's like you can move it, but you're afraid to move it. And that's the hippocampus. It gets paid. That's the job description is to protect you from things that hurt. And it only makes sense in my brain that it would need some help because we're undoing adhesions faster than our nervous system can get that new information. So small little micro movements, what we're doing with your shoulder, we didn't get you into full flexion right away, but we would work on it. And then you would just in like initiate the movement. Yeah. Get out a little bit first. It's like in the daytime when I can remember to stabilize and then I can do that. Doesn't hurt at all. Right. At night when I lay down and the whole thing settles back, then it has an opinion. Right. You're not only fatigued throughout the day, those muscles really haven't learned exactly what's needed of them yet. And you're fighting gravity. So all those helper muscles and stabilizer muscles, you're lying on half of them. And then the only thing that's left is poor little biceps and anterior delts, And they're just too little. No, the poor little thing. They're just teeny tiny. Oh, I have to tell you a great story. I love stories. This is, to me, it's a great story. We had Adam's memorial out at Georgia's on Saturday, and there were close to a hundred people there, I'd say. And after I said my thing, and then Maddie said her thing, that's his girlfriend, and then Wendy said her thing, then we asked people to come up. And one of the girls, one of the people that came up was a woman who said, Adam McMakin changed my life. He found out that I had this genetic condition and he said, you have to see my mom. And then he came home and said, you have to see this girl. And I was over on Gleason at that point. And I said, what's your problem? And he said, Ehlers-Danlos. And I said, that's easy. So she comes up on the stage and she said, he told me that I had to see his mom. He made the appointment with his mom. He made her give me a machine. So she has custom care. And then I remembered her face because I totally forgotten her. It's been three years. And she said, I'm back to being, to paddling, to being able to go kayaking. And then I remembered who she was. And I said, okay, let me see your little finger. And it was up to a hundred degrees again and I said when was the last time you used the machine four weeks ago and it's but to be able to do number one it says something about Adam it says something about her but it is also says something about FSM when you can look at an Ehlers-Danlos patient and say with a degree of accuracy it's like this isn't that hard it just, it's 124 and 77. It's one program that runs for 60 minutes and you run it once a week. And you put the pads, wrap around your neck, wrap around your feet, and you sit there and watch television or a movie or whatever. And then 40 and 10 to take care of the body pain. She has no body pain. That never came back. And 
It's who else in the world gets to do that with an Ehlers-Danlos patient. And I think every couple of years, you probably come up with a different condition that people have that we, that the lives that we've affected. But I think you're right. It's everything. It's the, it's FSM, right? At its like nucleus, but then it's, you say it every year. It's in, it's in every core changing medicine, one practitioner at a time, but you don't understand the ripple effect until you, you see the stories like this. Yeah. Oh, I had another one this week. She came from New Orleans. Yeah. And I swear to God, she's 70, 70, 70 years old, I think. And I, she was on Leviquin and Cipro. She's never dislocated a joint. She can't, her little finger stops at 70. She, her thumb doesn't go to her arm. She ruptured tendons in her elbow and she was on Cipro and Leviquin for almost two years for various infections. I swear to you, I'm glad you're sitting down. All right. She went to the medical school in New Orleans and someone told her she has Ehlers-Danlos. I said, I beg your pardon? She has zero out of nine on the Baton score. And I showed her on the internet, I just Googled it and I said, did they do any of that? No. Did you mention that you had fluoroquinolones given to you for almost two years? Yeah, absolutely. They didn't diagnose, that's a good face. They did not diagnose her with fluoroquinolone tendon connective tissue damage. They told her she had Ehlers-Danlos. And it's, no, you don't. I'm really sorry, but what is up with that? It's strange. You, either you hear stories like that, or it's the opposite, where somebody is slam dunk and they've fallen somehow through the cracks for 35 years of their life and think they have chronic fatigue syndrome. Yeah, without chronic fatigue syndrome with no swollen glands and no anything and it's and there are 40 and 10 and there are 40 and 10 it's okay so we live in our own i'm beginning to understand we live in our own little bubble of maybe magic maybe not i know and there's so many people within our community that i trust with my life and that's it So either you have to be one of us or at least very accepting and a huge fan of one of us for me to refer to you or for you to see me or my family. Yeah. Oh, I'm sending you one, by the way. Okay. You send me good ones. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Are they ever not? It's just, she just needs her vagus nerve turned back on. That's the short version. She had a colonoscopy that went badly and she had a colonoscopy. She actually had two colonoscopies. And since then, her digestive system has been a mess. Okay. What nerve regulates the digestive system and exists in your colon? Class, all 35 of you, raise your hands and say, the vagus. 
How hard could this be? That's so funny. And she insisted. She kept saying, I'm so complicated. And then she had a head injury and she has a vestibular injury, but that's okay. That's, you can test her for that with a little stripey thing. Yeah. And, but it's the Vegas, how, the, okay. You turn the Vegas on and you explain what a vestibular injury is. And you get her to take some eclazine and see an FCOVD optometrist that'll fit her with prism glasses. So the disequilibrium, how hard is that? I'm not sure. Maybe someplace else it's hard because she insists she's complicated and it's, I understand, but no, not, no. That's the great thing about you though. You have seen the most complicated cases, like legitimately complicated cases and people who have seen so many other physicians and practitioners and I get it why they would come in saying I'm so complicated because nobody else has the tools that we do. So yeah. I get that. There are a couple of questions before I get into some other things here. Okay. Yes, I can hear Carol. Great. Congrats, congrats on 50 best hour of the week. We think so. We have um, in the core, Dr. Musnick talks about running 124 for a much longer period of time. So I think that could have been before we thought 124 was time dependent, or maybe I'm wrong, or maybe that's just what well, he's talking about. David Musnick runs for leaky gut. David oh. Musnick runs 124 and the small intestine for literally an hour on a separate machine from anything else he's doing. So you treat the vagus to get that turned on, but you also have a separate machine running just back to front across the abdomen, running 124 and 22. So uh, the small bowel, yeah. torn and broken in the small intestine for leaky gut. So when I first developed this digestive autoimmune muscle thing, the small intestine protocol that we wrote ran two and a half, almost three hours because there was one hour on 124 torn and broken in the small bowel because I was literally had antibodies to everything in the lining of my small intestine to every peptide in the small intestine. So it's torn and broken appears to be time dependent in that whether you run it in the small bowel the connective tissue. I've never found it to be that useful for torn and broken in the nerve. I'm not so sure about that, but who knows? Okay. Please comment yay or nay on running, on mixing wet towels and electrodes for delivery of FSM. Why not? I do it. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So here's an example where you almost have to do it. If you have an athlete or a patient that let's just say breaks their ankle. So we're going to be using the sticky electrodes because we have a cast. So we'll go above the cast and on the toes and shove it into the cast with the electrodes. And then I'll use the wet towels, tummy and abdomen on another machine for something else. So you absolutely, it's like mixing multiple machines with multiple wet towels. It, sometimes you have to do it. Well, and the, the freaky thing is in the last week, there's only been one patient I used two machines on and everybody else has been like four or five. It's like 
I could do it with precision with custom cares if I could just go in and program them for what I wanted. But with so precision cares are nice because you can choose when to switch up what you run. And for me, it's all been wet towels, but there's no reason not to use sticky pads and a contact's a contact and current is a current. What's the difficult thing for me to get my head around and I can't explain it. I've never come up with an explanation that makes sense. And George is the only one that's ever come up with one. And George said, the body just figures it out. Channel A does not see channel B and machine one does not see machine two or machine three. And as the frequencies mix and the body figures it out. And that's that, that cartoon where you have this mathematical equation over here, over here, and it's all in calculus and right. And in the middle, it says something magic happens. That's where we are with using five machines hooked to four machines hooked to neck to feet and another two hooked back to abdomen. How does that even work? I don't, and like, it's really bugging me who I was having this conversation with at the advanced. It was somebody brilliant. It was like Oshman or Billica, or it could have even been George at one of the advanced. Cause this was when we really started using multiple machines. And that was my whole thing is, do I have to separate it? How do I know what goes on A, what goes on B, what gets clipped here? And it's, don't complicate it. It's like multiple people in this ballroom having conversations. The ballroom gets filled with conversations, but only the two people that are talking can understand each other. Oh, I like that. I don't know who I can credit this with. So if somebody is listening that said that to me, because that was my light bulb moments. Yes, the ballroom's filled with words and conversation. Yeah. But only we are hearing and talking to each other. Okay. I okay, I could go with that. And it sounds like either sounds like an Oshman thing or a George thing. Yeah. I don't think it was Dr. Billica. Yeah. Billica's a little linear for that, but yeah. I'm so excited. It's now that my I have about 10, 12 days before I leave for London. So between now and the time I leave which will make Kevin very much more relaxed. I have to get the schedule set for the advanced and the symposium and send out the notices to the speakers. But we have Rob DiMartino, Roger Billica, Neil Nathan, Jul Juliana Mortensen, I think Jim Oshman. I wanna have Jerry Pollack back just because I love him. It's like, I, it, and, he's, and the last time he came, he said, I don't have anything new to say. And I said, yes, but there's going to be new people that have only heard it for the first time. And the people that heard it for the first two times only remember 10% of what you said anyway. So even if you say exactly the same thing, 90% of it's going to be new. So I'm hoping Jerry Pollack comes, Bilika, Nathan, you... Musnick, at some point, we're not going to be able to do the advanced and symposium in four days. Everybody knows that. Cynthia says, tell Dr. Pollock to come. I'll tell him you said that. Yeah. Leaf had a comment. Could it not be that the various machines are not in phase with one another? Okay. 
And the conversation thing is probably easier, but in phase, see, belief under physicists understand what that means, which is why they're physicists. Yeah. And in <laughs> phase me, if you took the conversation analogy, in phase means that these two people over here started talking about two minutes before the two people over here started talking. And they're having different conversations, but they're not saying the same thing at the same time. And they didn't start talking at the same time. And then, so maybe, I don't know. That's okay. I like that. Okay, Cynthia's got a question here too, or a comment. Saw a patient post pin removal from a complete fracture of the L fourth and fifth carpal. Pitting edema wow. went from positive to zero with increased range of motion. Patient reported the swelling came back even worse about four hours later. Please comment. Yeah, it's just scarring in the lymphatics. So I think, I mean, that I say it like it's, oh, it's a given. It's You guys know that I just make this stuff up and I don't actually know what it was until we try what I think it is. And then if we try what I think it is and it works, then I was right. And if it doesn't work, then you have to rethink it. But my guess is that when you treated the edema, you treated the inflammation in the bone and the lymphatics, when you have fractures and pins, the pins you're gonna be treating metallic toxin in the periosteum and probably the lymphatics and reducing the inflammation. I don't know what you ran, but you have a contact around the neck and a contact, I'm assuming it's the medical, yeah, carpals, and contact down on the fingers and you're polarized unless you remembered to run scarring in the lymphatics. When the fluid comes back in, so when the blood vessels dilate again and the fluid comes back, if you haven't dealt with the scar tissue in the lymphatics up to and through the lymphatic duct, right? Carpals, arm, it uh, doesn't say, oh, it's left. So the left is the main one. And it drains the left side of the body, the left lymphatic duct drains the left side of the body and both legs. So it's a very busy place. So you have to treat, I would think, not just inflammation and congestion and vitality in the lymphatics, it would be scarring in the lymphatics and do manual lymph drainage all the way up and down into the chest. And I wouldn't actually be surprised that the swelling came back worse. So it's twice a week for four to six weeks. And then when the patient calls you and is freaking out or texts, usually these days they text you, they're freaking out because it's worse four hours later. It's like the immediate response is, oh, that makes sense. It tells us what to do next time. It's not a bad thing. It's information. So it makes you think. FSM is for people that like to think and problem solve. So the 
this is my, it's called a thought experiment in physics. So you don't actually do the physical experiment. You do it in your head first. It's okay, why would the swelling come back? Maybe I didn't treat metallic toxin in the lymphatics. Maybe I didn't treat scarring in the lymphatics. And this is a two, two machine project. One is locally on the fingers and one is from the neck to the fingers to treat the lymphatic ducts so that you can get the fluid out. Now that the fluid drainage, lymphatic drainage is a problem. It's so, so then what you tell the patient is, oh, good. Now I know what to do next time. Come on. I'll see you Thursday. And part of the, it's like you, you have to be a little detective. So when I'm reading it, when I see pitting edema, to me, that's screaming it's not new, fresh inflammation. It's congested, which is what I want to talk about because it's 50 and it's our 50th episode. So I have all these little things here to talk about, but 50 is congestion. I don't use it a ton, but in the cases of pitting edema, you locally, it can be quite helpful, but like you said, with the lymphatic drainage. So when this has happened to me a few times with patients, I will get excited and I'll be like, it did, it came back. And they're like, what are you so happy about? I'm like, we cleared all the old junk out. And we talk about with recovery, new inflammation can be helpful because it's the cellular response trying to come in and heal the trauma, taking these pins out. So again, it's like smiling when I'm stretching to show that it's not super scary to be over here. You, yeah, never apologize to a patient like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that it's worse. No, it's like you said, it's information. It's telling us where to go. It's a pretty decent cellular response. And it tells us what to do next time. Totally. It's like when you double somebody's range of motion and their neck is, is worse, or it's you have them fill out the pain diagram and it's, wait, look at the two diagrams. So this one, there were big circles everywhere. And now it's here. There's this little circle here and there's a little circle there. And it's still a six, but it's in those two places. That tells us what to do next. Okay. And there's always a step, right? You're as much as I try to close the case. I always keep saying we're just going to close the case. The case is always evolving. Our bodies are always evolving. So we're never closing a case. We're always still moving in that upward trajectory, hopefully of pain stays down, movement, quality of life, all the things keep improving. And you're always going to need information and there's always going to be sidesteps. And like even some, even a patient came in, oh, I'm so much worse this week. And that's why do you think you're worse? I have all this pain in my hamstring. Where did it come from? I was playing basketball for four hours the other day. I'm like, <laughs> you were playing basketball for four hours the other day. You couldn't even walk upright for more than 42 steps last week. And then you played basketball. I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm like, so yay for hamstring soreness. <laughs> and then here's another thing for everybody that's listening is data. There's a reason I became an independent medical examiner. Mm. It's well, the best way to defeat the enemy is to know his tactics, but they're not really the enemy. I, I never, ever got pushback for recommending ongoing care unless 
the treating physician was simply not documenting any progress. Mm. So document and measure. It is amazing. So this, the patient from, the, let's say the guy with the 20-year history, right? So I did his range of motion in his neck, measured it, measured sensation. And he said, nobody's ever done that. He was treated for six, three months after the auto accident by a chiropractor who never did his range of motion. So not only do you do the range of motion every visit with somebody that is coming up out of the pit, I have done it at the beginning and the end of the session. So you have documentation for any of you that are taking insurance, billing insurance, even those of us who are cash practices, one of the rules is you have to show progress. How do you show progress? Oswestry or talus, some sort of functional. So my pain's a six, but I'm playing basketball for four hours. I'm able to do this. I'm able to do that. So my function is improved. And okay, my pain level's still a four of a five, but my function is gone from 40% to 70% with the same pain level. You have data, sensory exam, C2 nerve root. And this patient says, my jaw hurts. So the patient says, it hurts right back here. So I use the little pinwheel and it's, she said, oh, that's numb. That's, that's the C2 nerve root. Excuse me? Yeah, that's the C2 nerve root. Let's do the back of your head. Oh, that's icky. There you go. So at the end of the session, you take the pokey wheel and you go under the jaw. And she said, oh, that's just prickly now. So it's, you should be, don't be afraid of doing a physical exam. The when I was in chiropractic college, it was terrifying because it took so long. And doctor, oh, I can see his face, so I can't remember his name. But he could do a complete neurologic and physical exam in 12 minutes. It was intimidating. It's like, how did you do that? Wow. But once you get used to it, there's a flow and it doesn't just doesn't take that long. Okay. No, you got a list, and I'm interfering with your list. I it's can... fine. It's an anniversary list, so it's adaptable, just like we are. But <laughs> going back to the, what you were just talking about, there's a reason why in the sports course I go over all the biomechanical basics of all the extremities, and some of the PTs are like, "Really? Why are we talking about this?" I'm like, "How many of you are doing range of motion before and after? Because you just..." think what's going on with the GH. You need to document it just like the pain scale. And it really doesn't take that long. The first exam usually obviously takes longer, but it takes really no time to be like, okay, let me see your flexion. Okay. What's the pain? Good. Do your treatment, get them up. What's your flexion? Woohoo. What's your pain? Woohoo. It, but like you said, this is how you document progress 
And this is your safety net when they call you the next day in pain, with inflammation, with whatever, you made me worse. And you say, oh, because when you left, remember, you were at a two and you had 20 degrees extra range. And then they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It must be because I rearranged all my cupboards after because I felt so good. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Another really good one that happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. So it's our f- physician, it's Doc, that comes in. He's had a knee replacement. It was all swollen. And he had a bunch of this and that. And so I treated him a month ago and it was metallic toxin in the bone marrow and scarring of the bone marrow and then treating the bursas and this and that. And he came in this time and he said, no swelling. And the exercise I had given him was knee extension with the leg externally rotated, so the vastus medialis, which on his knee replacement leg is totally wimpy, externally rotated because eccentric contraction is easier. And you do it with, and he said, oh yeah, I forgot. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. And then he said, I'll be sore after a 10 hour shift. I'm standing up a lot. And I said, there's 13 verses in the knee. He said, 13? Yeah. So I treated, there's no swelling. So the swelling has gone. So the metallic toxin is not a problem. And it's a cobalt knee. So not a big allergy problem. So I treated the bursa. And then I said, the knee gets caught in the middle. Let's look at your hip. And he said, I don't have any hip pain. I said, you're, I guess he's 63. So I flexed his hip, held his pelvis down, internally rotated his hip, and he had about five degrees. So when a hip degenerates, the first thing you lose is internal rotation. And I said, then we took off his shoes and he had his bare feet. And I said, now look at the arch of your foot, the right leg it's just fine nice arch left foot sit up look at this he said oh it's flatter than the other one I said yeah so this one pronates more your hip that internally rotates the tibia and we talk about this in the core but it there's so much that it falls out of your brain the tibia internally rotates the femur is supposed to internally rotate but because your hip is getting arthritic, but there's no pain. It's, I know, but go get a hip series. Sometime when the ER is not busy, go over to radiology, have them do a hip series, and you're going to find out that the medial part of the joint is thinner than the other part. So anyway, so I treated the joint capsule, the nerve, the periosteum, the bursa in the hip, And he went from five degrees to 20 degrees, 20 plus degrees of internal rotation in his hip. And then I told him where to get the firm pronation control orthotics at the running store. And I said, now the bursa in your knee isn't going to get irritated because it's not getting caught in the middle. 
So it's not just the FSM that's magic. It's all the things, the other things we do on the core, you do in the PM. I'm starting to create the image that it's not just the sports core, it's the PM&R course. It's the physical medicine part of it where you see FSM allows you to see the connections between things, whether it's physical, hip, knee, foot, who knew that there were 18 verses in the hip, whether it's lymphatics, joint, scar tissue, whether it's vagus and small intestine or colon, FSM makes you think, well, and brain, afraid to move it, but able to move it. FSM allows you and requires you to think upstream and downstream to Mm -hmm. see connections. Totally. Wow. I never thought of it that way. But it is, it is that it forces you to see the big picture. And if you were a really like myopic practitioner, you're going to have a hard time with this because nothing ever happens in a vacuum. It's that ripple effect, right? Everything's connected to everything. Totally. One last question and then some wrapping up announcements here. If you were to treat a chronic stiff hand from a fracture years ago, no pain, no swelling, would you just put the contacts on the palmer side of the wrist and the dorsum of the fingers or would you wrap a cloth around the fingers? I have an even different application. I'm sticking this in some water. I'm putting the hand in the water, leads in water, a bucket, a sink, and I'm having them do exercises and movement in the water. I'm even weirder. Let's do it. Well, where, if a hand is stiff and it's stiff from the fracture, yes, the joints are stiff, but what moves joints? Oh yeah, all those tendons. Where do the tendons start? In the forearm. They start at the elbow, basically, the wrist flexors, finger flexors, right? So I'd go from the elbow to the fingers. And you could put them in water, but you're going to want to go in and mobilize them. But you also have to take out, so these, and they have to go from the neck. And it's this is a three machine process. Because when you haven't moved your hand four years ago, just stiff, is cerebellum going to have the conversation with the tendons, the muscles and the tendons and the nerves that move the fingers? No. So you have one that goes from here to there, treating scarring in the nerve. Because if you look, open netter, if you look at the joints and the tendons and the blood supply, there are nerves that run all the way down the fingers. So if the hand hasn't moved, what's going to happen to the nerves? They're scarred. So you have one machine that's, there's no pain, but the nerves are adhered. So you have one machine running on scarring in the nerve, right? Another machine running on scarring in the joint capsule, right? And another machine running on probably fibrosis, in these are they start out round in the forearm but when they get to the fingers they're a combination of round and flat 
And then you get the cerebellum to drive the bus. And while you're just, so what is that? Four machines? Yeah. Nerves, joint capsule, adhesions in the tendons, and increased secretions in the cerebellum while, and then at some place in there, eventually you're going to have to do quiet down the midbrain who says, I can't move my hand. What are you talking about? Let me jump on that part. So I did a webinar on this a couple of years ago. So Andrew, if you want to email me, I can send you the video link of you put the contacts on the neck and then I do it with sports wraps around the fingers, but you could do a cloth and then a tennis ball. And then you can open and close the hand around the tennis ball, moving the wrist. You can even increase it to catching a ball, but that all helps increase the afraid to move it with flexion and extension in the hand. So tennis balls with current running. is. I go with a racket ball because it's softer and smaller. So, so you, if you can do that. Yeah. If you want something soft and small or even what's that putty stuff? Silly putty? Or clay. There's a word for it. It's a PT thing. Like it's, but like a racquetball size, that's this therapy putty. Thank you, Andrea. Uh, yeah. Like what Kim said. Yeah. Any, anything is good that it can, you can increase all the things. So the difference, Andrea, and for everybody that's listening, the difference is when you say the fingers are, the hand is stiff from a fracture. In the outside world, it's just the hand. In the FSM world, it's the nerve, the tendons, the cerebellum, and the joint capsule, and the periosteum, and the cartilage. Yep. Because joints that don't move, the cartilage gets degenerated. Wow. Okay. Some things to, to close with today, because we are over time once again. So because it was our 50th, I had to look up some fun facts about the number 50. And of course, so 50 is symbolic for, and this makes a lot of sense, the completion of things and also paradoxically new beginnings. Oh, interesting. So it's really funny how we were just talking about, like, we're never complete with patients. They never completely end treatment, we're always trying to improve and progress. So we're never done improving. So our, don't think your patients should ever be closed cases, never see you again. There's always ways you can help your patients. And sometimes it's lateral and you're referring to people and asking for help. But I thought that was very interesting. Cool. So, so the new beginning, I have a quick announcement, is because this podcasting thing has been so much fun. And when I was forced to not be with you and not have a Kevin. I had to go out on my own and it was super scary, but I actually really loved it. And the feedback was pretty fun. So I started recording some extra little podcasts with some strength coaches. So very sporty. So I'm going to be releasing those slowly one at a time. And the, the podcast channel is called FSM sports game changers because the Tagline for FSM sports was always changing the game. So it's going to be called FSM sports game changers. So I will send some announcements once they're all finished editing and ready to go into the universe. And I don't have a Kevin to help me, but Kevin might help me. But, and then you're gone, not next weekend, not next week, but the week after. 
I'm gone for a month. We're in, yeah. And just because of the time zone changes, we're in London, Ireland, and then Kevin comes home. And I go on to Germany on the 27th of September. And I get back here on the Tuesday. And my brain usually arrives two or three days later. But I'll be available. I'll be here for the pretty sure the 28th. For the podcast on the first week in we have one next week we have one next week and then i'll be back for the podcast on the 5th of october so i have some fun people planned but i will tell you on september 14th you're not going to want to miss it because i have Dr. Dave Burke and Dr. Ben Catholi both coming no. at the same time. Together? Oh <laughs> yeah. my God. So we're going to totally geek out the three of us without you. <laughs> so much fun. And then I have to figure out a way to listen to it. Of course. So cool. Yeah. yeah. So that will be on September 14th, but September 7th, 21st, and 28th, there will also be some live guests. Once yeah. again. And by the way, Catholi and Burke are both going to be at the Chicago two-day practicum, probably, and they're both going to be in person in Phoenix. So the advance this year is just going to be awesome. Like almost too much awesomeness in one whole week. It's exactly. so scary. Exactly. Happy 50th podcast episode. Happy 50th. We did this was fun. It's always fun. 50 more. 50 more at least. Are you kidding? It's gone by so fast. I know. What's up with that? Well, two more weeks and it's a year of podcasts. Two more weeks and it's a year that we've been doing podcasts. See, I know. I've got little anniversaries popping up left and center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you, Julian. There you go. Okay. So much fun. Okay. Have a great rest of your weekend. We will see you one week from today. See you next Wednesday. Bye.